Humans were designed to have emotions. In fact, they're a huge part of our lives. Emotions are what make life rich. Can you imagine what life would be like without the ability to feel love, anger, contentment, pain, pleasure, and so on? What would your life be like if you could not taste the sugar in cotton candy or the chill of the rain on your skin? Emotions are what makes being human beautiful. So I want you to stop thinking that they're bad things. All emotions matter, including the bad ones. Happiness is not more important than sadness, as the Lord can use any of our emotions to bring us closer to Him. I also want you to not be afraid to feel your emotions. The fact that you're a believer does not mean emotions are going to be deleted from your life or that they're now bad for you. Be open to feeling your emotions. Emotion in itself is not bad. No, what makes them bad or makes people think they're bad is the lack of control some of us have over them. Yes, we have emotions and we should not shove them aside. Rather, we should be open to feeling them. But no, we should never let them control us. A certain situation happens and it makes us happy. So happy that we want to spend money celebrating. While happiness is a good thing to feel and celebration is a good thing to do, we must be careful to not let happiness overwhelm us to the point where, let's say, for instance, we overspend and waste resources. Or something happens and someone says something mean to us, angering us to the point where we want to throw punches. While it's normal to feel anger when insulted or cornered, it's not good to let anger subdue us, our reasoning, and our message of love. Some of us can react so badly when we're angry. We could run into a burning house when we feel angry. And now here's the thing. Anger in itself is not bad. It's our actions when we feel angry that makes it a bad emotion. The believer more than anybody else has to control emotions. The believer more than anybody else must not let emotions rule in any matter. There are always consequences for not being in control of our emotions. Sometimes these consequences may be like a slap on the wrist. Other times, they may be like lashes from a whip. We can never know what the result of our not being in control of our emotions would look like. Moses did not know that reacting in anger by hitting the rock two times would cost him the promised land. Let's read what scripture says of that story. Numbers 20, 7-12 says, The Lord said to Moses, Take the staff, and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Speak to that rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community, so they and their livestock can drink. God instructed Moses to speak to the rock, but the children of Israel had made Moses so angry that Moses forgot God's instructions. Instead, Moses went ahead to curse the people of Israel and struck the rock twice. Anger made him disobey God's instructions. You know the end of the story, how Moses could not see the promised land because of anger. One might sympathize with Moses because the people of Israel were pressuring and frustrating him. It's absolutely normal to be angry in such situations, but it is dangerous to let that anger cause you to disobey God. Now God told Moses to speak to the rock, but Moses did not. He struck the rock twice. Notice there was no punishment for the people who got Moses angry. The consequence of his action was not for the whole community to bear. Truthfully, 
I feel like they probably did not know the error Moses made and the punishment for it. The consequence most often affects the one who's not in control rather than the instigator or trigger for the emotion. Perhaps it might not seem fair for you, but it is still expected that we are to be in control of all our emotions, especially because we're believers. Why do I say so? The world is constantly watching the believer, and it's ready to criticize and pull him down at any point. Just like the children of Israel, the world has surrounded us and is complaining and condemning us. It would only be our loss if we let our anger and frustration control us. Moses was the one who'd led the people that far. He'd put in so much work into the mission he had. He got the people to the promised land, but after everything he suffered for Israel, he was not allowed to enter the promised land. Why? He did not control his emotions. Imagine you're in a car and your emotion is seated in the driver's seat and you're in the back seat. You are definitely going to crash soon. You see, your emotions are to be in the back seat while the Holy Spirit is to be in the driver's seat while we stay in the passenger seat. Emotions are simply to be a part of the journey while the Holy Spirit leads us. Child of God, the Lord is not condemning your emotions today. Rather, He's telling you to let Him be in control of your life, to be the driver and the navigator, to be the guide and the motivating factor. If you subject yourself to the leadership of the Spirit of God, you will find that controlling emotions is possible and has been easy for the believer. The Lord is with you to help you control your emotions. You only just have to let Him. Jesus must be glorified in our lives, but that won't happen if we run on what we feel and what our brain tells us. The Holy Spirit must be in charge. It's possible to speak kindly when you're angry. It's possible to act with caution when you're joyous. It's possible to rejoice when you should feel sad. What makes all these possible is the help of God. The Bible says of Job that he was an upright man, that he offered sacrifices to God and was righteous, that God blessed him with children and livestock, that he was the greatest in the land. One day, God boasts about Job to Satan, and the conversation ended with God giving Satan permission to test Job. Job 1, 18-22 says, While he was yet speaking, there came another, and said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And behold, a great wind came across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young people, and they are dead, and I alone have escaped to tell you. Normally, you would expect Job to curse God, curse people, or deny God. But Job knew better. He knew how to control his emotions and pain. And instead of cursing anyone or anything, he praised and worshipped God. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. The book of Job is one that began with multiple tragedies for Job. Now listen to what happened before this verse of Job. He lost his oxen to the enemy's army. He lost his cattle to the enemy's troops. He had lost all his properties. Then one day, just as verse 18 that we just read, his children were at the eldest son's house. All of a sudden, a mighty wind from the desert struck the house and it crumbled, killing all of them. 
Imagine the agony of losing all your children in such a horrible way. One man was faced with pain as mighty as a mountain. But what did Job do? He fell on his face, tore his robe, shaved his head, and worshipped. Wow, wow, wow. Many of us may not do what Job did. Many of us would, unlike Job, allow our emotions to lead us to sin. Just imagine what Job was feeling at that moment. He lost all his children, all his houses, all his cars, all his contracts, all his livestock in one day. Bad news led to another bad news to another bad news in one day. Imagine how crippling that must have felt. Imagine how saddening that must have felt. He lost all he had. He was sad, grief-stricken, angry, frustrated, and weak, but he worshipped. Job was a man, so he felt every kind of pain one could possibly feel in such a situation. But the Bible in verse 22 says that he did not sin or charge God with wrong. Such control. Such control. He did not let his grief lead him to sin. He did not let his anger curse God. He did not walk away from God in frustration. He did not become bitter. He was in control of his emotions. He did not let his pain decide for him. He did not let his grief determine his next steps. His life practically crumbled in one day, but Job was in control of his emotions. Notice that when all the calamity had befallen him, he tore his robe and mourned. This tells us again that it is okay to feel. Our emotions are not to be discarded. They're a part of our journey. But don't let your emotions control you. Jesus was another man in control of his emotions. The Bible says that in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed till his sweat became like blood because he did not want to die. He was sorrowful and troubled. But this was his prayer in Matthew 26, 39. My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Oh, such a submission, such control, that in his sorrow, he still prayed for the will of the Father to come. He did not let his emotions control him or set the tone of his prayer. He did not let his emotions rule him. If he had not controlled his emotions, he might have walked away from God's plan, and you and I would not be saved today. You see, the consequences of our lack of control over our emotions may be drastic. This is why you and I cannot afford to not be in control. Child of God, do not let your emotions control you. Worry can be quite powerful if it takes over a person. However, when you come to the full realization of what it is, its grip over you will be broken. What is worry? Why do you find yourself panicking over things? Who does worry achieve? Does worry attack just about anyone? Where does it come from? Does God want you worrying? What should you do when you find yourself panicking over your situations? These questions will be the roadmap to helping you break free from the grip of anxiety and to help you to start trusting God in your situations. Worry, fear, and anxiety are fruits of the same tree called death. They are poisonous and possess crippling effects, just like fear. Worry gets you in panic mode, and in this mode, 
you are both reckless and counterproductive. This is why the Bible is filled with words like, fear not, and don't be anxious about anything. If God tells you not to do something, that thing may appear harmless, but it is destructive to you. You will be doing yourself great harm to do it. Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So ask yourself, what am I worrying about right now? Ponder on this for a moment. Why do we worry, really? To be fair, we don't worry about things when we have no care or concern about them. No one worries about something they have never seen, heard, felt, experienced, or been told about before. Either one or all of these factors make worrying possible. We worry when we aren't sure we can control something or someone. We feel this way about things we don't know, things we aren't close to, or things that appear too powerful for us to handle. A parent begins to worry over their child when they don't know where he or she hangs out after school, with whom, and what they spend their time doing. Their worry compounds when the kid starts to get out of control and can no longer be told what to do or what not to do. You will find yourself panicking when you hear of a violent crisis in your city. Why? Because you are concerned for your own safety and the safety of those close to you. When you are unable to pay the bills, you'll panic and become anxious because of fear of the consequences of not paying the bills. When you receive a letter of evacuation, a letter of employment termination, doctor's report, and so on, you go into panic mode. Why? Because of the fear of the worst. It's an almost natural response to things we don't know, can't measure and can't control. Hence, worry, fear, and anxiety always travel together. You never see one without the other. They are a team, and they feast on the soul of men through emotional instability. Is this how God wants you and I to live in worry, panicking, and anxiousness? Of course not. Although challenges and burdens are common life experiences, please be aware that in the face of your worst crises and storms, God wants you to be bold and to trust in His ability. Walking in fear and anxiety, worrying about your problems never solves the issue, not one bit. Someone wise once said, worry is like a rocking chair. It keeps you busy, it gets you nowhere. Amazingly, the Bible is filled up with recorded situations that you can almost hear God calling out in every single one of them for you to not fear, not worry, not one bit. Permit me to tell you a story with a lesson about worry that so very few of us see when you look at it. 2 Kings 7, 3-4 Now there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate. They said to each other, Why stay here until we die? If we say, We'll go into the city, the famine is there, and we will die. And if we stay here, we will die. So, let's go over to the camp of the Arameans and surrender. If they spare us, we live. If they kill us, then we die. This beautiful story of God's great deliverance of His people, Israel, from the hands of their enemies in a most mind-blowing way actually began with four men making a decision to face their crises head-on. From the previous chapter, 2 Kings 6, we see that the city has been besieged and locked down. There was no incoming or outgoing transaction taking place. There was hunger. There was lack. The people were already turning into savages. However, 
The prophet Elisha has told the king that there would be a miracle of abundance the next day. No one could predict how that would happen. All this while, the king and his generals, his strongest men and women, had all locked themselves up within the walls of the city waiting for the worst to happen. Not one of them mustered the courage to face their fears or to prove God with anything. They had all settled with themselves that this was how they were going to die. Yet, God was going to work through four invalid men, people whom the society didn't qualify to be accepted in any way possible because of their disease. These were the ones who ended up being used to show forth the might of God. And this happened because they chose not to sit down like everyone else and anticipate or panic for the worst to happen. These four men's posture against the status quo confirmed what Jesus said in Matthew 6.27. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And, of course, we know that the answer to this question is, no one can. Therefore, this answers the question, is it healthy to worry? The answer is no. The last time I checked, whether in a bad situation that seems impossible to change, or in a hopeful one with a chance of escape, worry has no benefit. On the contrary, worry kills you further. It cripples your courage and faith. Worry makes you blind to the possibilities and opens your eyes only to the impossible. Medically, doctors even say that worry, fear, and anxiety shortens your lifespan and opens up to different ailments. Worry and fear take lives faster than a deadly event itself. Sadly, many have cut their own lives short with fear and worrying. You may have a very bad situation like those four men outside the gate of Samaria or the people of the city itself. Yours may even be worse somehow. However, there is no trophy for those who cut themselves off with worry. No one ever received a reward for their panic attacks or for their fearful response. Since worry gets you nowhere, what therefore should you be doing when you are in a worrisome situation? Jesus tells us what to do instead of worrying. He said, Matthew 6, 31 through 33. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Will we have tough times? Yes, we will. Will we have to sail through heavy life storms sometimes? Yes, we will. Are things going to happen to and with us? But what would make the difference will be the choice we make in the face of our storm. Believing God and trusting in His ability to save, or panicking and being anxious. We therefore have to thoroughly learn the ways of God and His might displayed on behalf of those who trust Him. Psalms 125, 1-2 Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken but endures forever and the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds His people both now and forever. God has put it upon Himself to be the deliverer of His people. No matter how strong you think you are, or how strong you've been told you are, you are going to come face to face with worrisome situations, situations that cripple the strongest of men, situations that make us question the integrity of God's promises, and you're going to need God to show up for you. For instance, how do you explain to Elisha's servant that God surrounds his people like the mountains of Jerusalem when he woke up one morning to see them surrounded by an invading army? 
I discovered that it is at points like these that what you know is truly tested. Our responses to challenges confirm what we know and believe. When the servant of Elisha saw the army, he panicked. Alas, we are done for. However, in the same situation, someone else who knew the Lord and his power came and spoke differently. Elisha told him, do not be afraid because those who are with us are greater than those who are with them. He then prayed that God would open his servant's eyes to see, and God did. The servants saw that although they were surrounded by enemy troops, they were also surrounded by troops of burning fire in the spirit, positioned to save them from any form of attack. Daniel 11.32 Those who do wickedly against the covenant he shall corrupt with flattery, but the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. My dear friend, it's time to stop worrying and start living. Start trusting God. If people who know their God will be strong and do exploits, what would happen to those who don't know their God? You got that right. They'd be weak and they would fail. It is my prayer that you will not fail. But you have to stop worrying, my friend. Worry only robs you of the essence of true living. It robs you of the joy of experiencing a testimony meant for those who believe. Know that you can't believe and be worrying. Those who believe don't worry. They are full of joy, hope, and peace. They stand in the face of the crises. They sing and they even dance. You think they have lost their minds, but no, they simply choose to trust God. They simply choose not to allow themselves to get sucked into the cesspool of anxiety. They choose to accept and hold on to all they've ever been told about God. They choose to say, if he did it before, then he can do it again. They choose to take a side like the four men of Samaria. Our fear and our worry will change nothing. Therefore, we will rise and progress forward. Is it dangerous? Yes. Would they kill us if we go meet them? They might, but there's no guarantee they won't kill us if we stay here either. Either way, you never miss the shots you never take. If we have a slim chance that there might be a miracle there, we are willing to take that chance, then die here. And when they did, Jehovah proved themselves strong on their behalf. Are there needs in your life? Trust God with them. Don't carry them everywhere you go. Drop them at his feet and go out there and be a bright shining light. Let nothing steal your joy. Let nothing rob you of the moments you're meant to enjoy each day. God specializes in changing things in an instant, and he can do that for you too. Why worry for ages over something that can be turned in an instant? Stop crying. Stop worrying and panicking. Speak peace over yourself and receive the peace of God in your heart. He has great plans for you, and this is not the end of the road. Remember that everything works together for the good of those who love him. Remember that he promised never to leave you nor forsake you. Remember that he is with his people as a mighty strong man. So, breathe, my friend. You've got the advantage. Enjoy your life's moments every day and let God handle your pains and worries. Start living your life to the full from today. How often do you pray? and truly trust in your prayer. Praying for most people is a habitual part of life. If you truly desire to know God, prayer must be a part of your everyday life. 
There may be something missing in your prayer life, something that erases the fire in your prayer. It's called passion. Put the whole heart into your prayers and focus deeply on your relationship with God while you pray. I hope that these words sink deep into your heart. A very amazing way to start your prayer and passion is to start your prayer with thanking God. Thank God in advance and trust in your prayers. Coming to God with a thankful attitude is special. Early in the morning, wake up and thank the good Lord. You're setting yourself up for the best life when you start every day with prayer and thanking. Once you have thanked the Lord, ask Him to guide your day. Ask God for whatever your heart desires, but ask in faith, putting trust in your prayer. Dare to ask God for anything and don't be ashamed or embarrassed or afraid to ask. Mark 11:24. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them and ye shall have them. Ask God for strength. He will give it to you. Ask God for healing. He will heal you. Ask God for a miracle, and He will give you a miracle. Keep pushing your prayer till you feel them get through. I remember some time ago, I felt so far away from God, and I really desired to feel His presence. I was going through a really hard time, and I felt so alone. I was doubting that anyone could understand my pain. So I bowed down on my knees and I prayed for a very long time. I said, God, I'm not leaving my bedside today until I will truly have felt your presence. Whatever it is that makes me feel this way, I need you to show it to me. I told God about my pain and my loneliness. And while I was crying, I felt as if God was hugging me. It was as if I heard him say, I feel for you, my child. You are not alone. I stood up and I was amazed at the miracle. And I shared this with you so you could see what trusting in your prayers does. Your prayers will be answered when you trust in God. Even if God does not answer your prayer immediately, keep trusting in your prayer. The answer of God may not be no, it may be not yet. And when God does not answer your prayer, check your motives before you become frustrated. James 4.3 When you ask, you do not receive, because you ask with the wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. What was your motive when you prayed? When your heart is in the right place, you will have an easier time to pray with good motives and you will have an easier time to truly trust in your prayers. Our prayers will sometimes be answered differently than what we had imagined. I love a quote by Vedanta Kasari. My prayers are answered. I asked God for strength and he gave me difficulties to face. I asked God for wisdom and God gave me problems to solve. I asked God for courage. God gave me danger to overcome. I asked for love. God gave me troubled people to help. I asked for favors and God gave me opportunities. I received nothing I wanted. I received 
everything I needed. My prayer has been answered. Trust in God. Think about it for a minute. Do you trust in your prayers? Do you have faith that God will give you exactly what you need? Or have you perhaps stopped praying because you assume that God does not hear you anymore? God wants the very best for you, and he wants you to ask. He wants you to trust in him and have your roots of faith deep in his world. May we all have faith like that. If everything was taken from us, our trust in the Lord would still not be shaken. We already know that storms will come and will test our roots. The storm will test how strong the roots are and it will determine whether the plant died or lives on. We are very familiar that for a plant to really blossom and grow, it needs to be water, fertilized, cultivated. God has planted a seed of faith in our hearts. So all we have to do is water it with prayers, fertilize it with words of God, and cultivate it with lots of love. One thing we know is that a beautiful garden is ruined when the weeds take it over. The weeds suck up the water and harm the plants when it's not dealt with. We can compare the weed to all the unnecessary things in our life that drain us and make us weak. Do you have any weeds in your life that need to be dealt with before you can grow properly? Maybe not the big ones, but small ones that you hardly even notice or maybe don't even think they harm you. It could be the music you listen the friends you have, or wasting time on social media. Let's just be sure that we don't let anything come in the way of growing our faith. A lot of things may distract you from fully being able to focus on your prayers and faith. A while ago, I noticed how I constantly was distracted from my devotions and prayer, so I challenged myself. I put my phone in another room so that I would have my mind focused on God. I was amazed how my faith had grown after I started doing this. Keep sowing seeds of trust and faith and it will greatly bear fruit. The storm will come, but let's prepare by praying in faith and trusting in our prayers. Colossians 2.7 Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with, with thankfulness. Faith does not make many things easy, but it makes them possible. In the Bible, we find many examples about what miracles happen that happened through people that had faith in God. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. Noah, being warned by faith, built an ark, saving himself and his family. Abraham obeyed by faith and therefore sojourned to the promised land. Where there is faith, miracles will happen. Silent prayers get answered and broken hearts because brand new. Even when you fall, sometimes you will have the strength to rise. That is what faith can do. Trusting in your prayers makes you capable of doing anything. The biggest battles are won in prayer. Prayer should conquer everything, and it should cover everything. 
Trusting in your prayer will give you breakthrough. Just keep holding on to God and have faith in Him. Breakthrough is coming, so keep praying and trust. Right now, everything looks dim for you, and breakthrough seems miles away. Could be that you recently a friendship broke apart, a loved one went to heaven, or you lost your job. But I am here to reassure you that your breakthrough will come. Keep praying in trust and faith. You may not be able to see it, but just walk by faith and not sight. Faith is kind of like the wind. You cannot always see it, but you can feel it. Trusting in your prayers will give you the power to overcome all obstacles that are in your way right now and yet to come. Let your faith be stronger than your fears. It is so important that we pray in trust when we pray for God to help us overcome. I hope you truly believe that God will give you happiness in your heart again. In times of uncertainty, we need to pray and put our hope in God. The Word of God tells us in Jeremiah 17, 7, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought. Trusting in God and having our hope in Him will keep us fresh and green when the hard times come. We will not fear. When we are afraid, well, we'll just put our trust in God. Maybe you don't even know what to pray about, but God can understand you exactly for the way you mean, even if you can't bring it out in words. Just keep believing and having the faith in prayer because one day you will understand. You may not understand everything, but God does, so that is why we really need to pray to Him in trust. Everyone has a chance to win, but the one who walks by faith in the Lord have no chance to lose. Sometimes it becomes hard to find a path through prayer. Our minds become clouded with everyday emotions and our lives become so busy. It is very important for us not to just say prayers, but really mean prayers. I often tell people that a five minute prayer that is meant from the heart is worth so much more than a one hour prayer just said from the mouth and not the heart. Faith in our prayer is very important because it opens the door to, for God to come into our souls. I'd love to give you some advice of how you can still have a deep connection with God, even with a busy life. Prepare yourself a quiet, beautiful place in the house where no one distracts you. You could even put candles and beautiful flowers there to make you feel more cozy. Put on quiet piano music and drink a hot tea or coffee to make you feel warm and cozy. For me, this has worked wonders to be able to focus and deeply pray to God and have a special connection with my Father in heaven. My prayer for you is Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all the joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may be abound in hope. I love to write down a prayer for you and gladly write it down on a piece of paper so you can read it anytime. Father, thank you for giving me a measure of faith. Thank you for the gift of your word, which is a light to my path and helps me grow in you. 
I choose to set my heart and mind on your word and listen as you speak your truth to my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. We have all heard the saying, the only thing in life that is certain is uncertainty itself. Things in our lives are constantly changing. From year to year and even week to week, the situations we find ourselves in are never standing still. Sometimes, life is changing so rapidly that we find it hard to slow down. It may feel even harder to catch your breath. And when we can't catch our breath, we start to feel anxious, unsure of things, disheartened, 